So good to see everybody this morning. So uh, welcome uh, to Grace. We're thrilled that you're here. For those watching online, we're thrilled that you're watching online. Uh, we've been so surprised. Hundreds of people every week are watching online. And over at West Falls Church, uh, they set a record last week. They had 43 kids in their Graceland program. So way to go, West Falls Church. It's fantastic. We're going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to hear a lot of stories from people. We're going to hear about how God is working in, in people's lives right here in this church community, and it's going to be really cool. Before we get to that, uh, you see on the screen behind me, there is a visual for a new series we're starting in three weeks, right? So Easter is two weeks away. Can you believe it? And in three weeks, we're going to start a new series called Just Dance. It's about how we can find our rhythm with God and other people. It's all about relationships, you know? There's a saying that says that uh, so goes your life, so, oh no, so goes your relationships, so goes your life. So relationships are in critically important, and we're going we're gonna to focus in on biblical principles to relationships, and we are going to, along the way, get a lot into romantic relationships in the midst of this. So uh, we will talk about biblical principles that exist in every relationships, but we're going to work our way, obviously, to romantic relationships, and we're going to do some things we've never done before. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. We're going to have some surprises. I'll tell you about one thing that we are going to do. We, we struck up a deal with some local restaurants for appetizers. They are giving us free appetizers. And what we'd like to do, we want to encourage relationships as much as we can throughout this series. So if you bring a friend... Bring a friend that doesn't come to Grace already. You bring a friend, you just go to Grace in five, we're going to give you a free coupon for an appetizer at a local restaurant. So we're calling apps on us, right? Apps, not apps on your phone. This is apps that you eat in the, in the restaurant. So it's apps on us. You go, you know, you bring the same friend for five, six weeks, whatever, just go to Grace in five. We'll give you the coupon every single time. And we hope that you'll go out and you'll focus on relationships and building relationships you know, uh, in your life throughout that series in a very intentional way. So that's, that's why we are doing that. Just Dance starts in three weeks. Okay, let's shift gears. Psalm 68, God speaking, says, I am a father to the fatherless. I'm a father to those. God is identifying, which is so unusual. God is identifying with those who do not have a parent in their life for whatever reason. Why that's so unusual is that you just didn't see that out of religions of that day. I'm a father to the fatherless. Jesus' brother James writes in James chapter 1, he says, what is, what is religion that is pure? What is religion that is undefiled? It is to visit those who do not have a parent. In other words, if you want to make an impact for God in somebody's life in a powerful way, Get involved in the life of a child. The scriptures are so clear on that. And that famous story of Jesus, where here he is and all kinds of people pressing in on him and some parents, they bring along their kids and like, we want our children to get to Jesus. And then all the adults and even his own disciples, Jesus' own disciples, like, no, 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 he doesn't have time for kids. And Jesus rebukes them, says, oh, no, 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 these children and he takes them and he blesses them. You want to make an impact in this world for Jesus Christ. Get involved in the life of a child. This is what we want to focus on this morning. So when I was 12 years old, actually might have been 11, but sometime in that time frame, my parents had this idea. 
And they spoke to us about it one Saturday morning. We live right down the street from here. They said, we have this idea that we would like to have a foster child. I don't even know what that was. They said the foster child, actually they had identified a child. He was 18 years old. His mother had been an alcoholic and he was severely intellectually disabled as a result. And he lived in an institution his whole life. His father was out of the picture. I think shortly after he came to live with us, his mom passed away. So we have this great idea. We want to be uh, foster parents. And you be foster brother and sister to Jody. So we went out to Northern Virginia Training Center, which is on Braddock Road in Fairfax County. And we visited. And man, first of all, it scared me to death walking into that institution. Because I'll never forget, there was one guy that he just, because of his illness, he would just bang his face against the wall. So he always had a baseball catcher's mitt on. And as a 12-year-old, and the guy was huge, I was like, what is this? So we visited Jody multiple times. We took classes. Then he came over and visited. All this progressively is working. Then he visited our house. And then there was a weekend where he actually stayed the weekend. And boy, was that a blast. He's never lived outside of an institution before. This is a whole new world for him. Whole new world. Well, after a series of meetings and regressions and, you know, classes and stuff, Jody comes to live with us. And he lived with us for three years. And Jody actually lives in the county to this day. He lives in a group home. And we were to be his foster family, helping to get him adjusted to living a life outside of the institution. And man, it was hard. It was challenging. You had to be really, really patient. But man, there was fun times too. It's a lot of fun times. I will never forget the Sunday that we were visiting a church in Florida, right? So Florida and Texas, they like to have big churches, big, big churches. There's 5,000 people in the room, this massive church. And here I am, I'm 12, 13 years old, and Jody's sitting next to me. Now, here's the thing. In the institution, for 18 years of his life, coffee was a reward, all right? So like coffee was God. I mean, it's like, really, I know nobody can identify that with here. Coffee doesn't mean anything to you all here, but it meant a lot to Jody. It meant a lot to Jody. Every day, can I have a coffee? Can I have a coffee? He'd always want a coffee. So we're in this service, 5,000 people, and the pastor's preaching. It's this real quiet moment. He's like, he was talking about relationships. He said, maybe God might prompt you after this service to go up to somebody. Maybe you know him. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've seen around whatever. Could we go out and have a cup of coffee? Maybe God would use you that way and you could build a relationship. Well, he gets to that line, could we go out and have a cup of coffee? Jody just shoots his hand up. I would right here, over here. And as a 12-year-old, does it get any better than that? I mean, that's what, that's what makes church exciting. So he did great stuff like that, uh, you know, along the way. There was a lot of joy and there was a lot of challenges um, with Jody. What was neat to see is over a period of time, even with his own struggles intellectually, right, he got it. He got it that we were his family. He got it that we chose him. He got it that we made the decision to be involved in his life. He got it that he had a father and a mother and a brother and a sister who wanted him around. He got it that we loved him. And you could see that work in its way in him, and you could see him just, just be transformed by that. When Jody turned 50, not too many years back, 
we had a big birthday party for him. And you know where we went? Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese's. And I got to tell you, the employees at Chuck E. Cheese's, they immediately got it. They knew what we were doing. They figured it out right away. And we had a ton of people, family and friends there. And when Chucky came out and sang happy birthday to Jody, I thought that he was going to explode with joy. He had the biggest smile on his face. It was fantastic. You know, if you want to make an impact for Jesus Christ in this world, get involved in the life of a child. Somehow, some way. I don't know. It could be, there's a million different ways. We're going to tell you a, a bunch of different ways here shortly. In preparation for the series that we did, Racial Reconciliation, at the beginning of this year, I was reading all kinds of books last year in 2016 in prep for that. And I read a book by Brian Stevenson. He's a Harvard lawyer. He started the Equal Justice Initiative. And uh, he tells a story in this book that just moved me because I'm thinking about foster parent. I'm thinking about adoption, thinking about making a different life. So Brian went to visit a young man who was on death row. He was in prison. And he went to, he went to visit him one day. And this, this guy's name is Avery. Before Avery uh, was even born, his father was murdered. By the time Avery was one year old, his mother died of a drug overdose. He was put into foster care. By the time he turned eight, he had been in 19 different foster homes. And many of those foster parents later on was found out they had done criminal things. There had been criminal mismanagement. This is why we really need wonderful people to be foster care parents, right? So they had got involved for the wrong reason in foster care and they'd abuse kids and hurt kids. When Avery, because now he's struggling all kinds of mental behavioral problems. When he's 10 years old, he goes to live with a family and they were having a hard time controlling him. So the mom, the foster mom, took him out to the woods and tied him to a tree and left him. Hunters found him three days later. And then he was put right back in foster care. It was one terrible experience after another. He started having psychotic episodes. He was bipolar. He was schizophrenic. It's a long list of problems with him. Got started on alcohol and drugs at a really young age. By the time he was 17, he was homeless. By the time he was 20, he's in and out of jail constantly. And one day in the middle of a psychotic episode where he thought demons were chasing him because he's just plagued by all this stuff, he ran into a home, didn't know anybody at that home, he ran into a strange home, and he brutally murdered a man there. And now he's on death row. In his trial, all of this background about what he had been through and his mental illness, you know, just it, it never came up. And this is where Brian Stevenson got, got involved. And Stevenson says when he went to visit him in prison for the first time, he pulled up there in the prison parking lot and he saw this, he saw this truck and it had all kinds of bumper stickers all over it, kind of violent type things. And he just took note of it and he went inside and he'd been to prisons many times. And he walked in and the guard, you know, kind of greeted him roughly, a lot of anger in his voice. He said who he was there to see. He says, Okay. Well, you're going to have to submit to a strip search. And uh, Brian said, well, um, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. I, I've never, we don't, I've never. And he said, well, you will now. And so he strip search, treats him really rude, really rough, just giving it to him. And after he's done, he says, now you get back out there and you sign the book. He says, well, I, I, I signed it on the way in. He says, no, you're going to sign another book. And so the guy just 
being a jerk all around to him. Terrible. So it's a really, really bad day for Ryan. So he goes into the room to see Avery. And right before he walks through the door, the guard grabs him by the arm. And he says, hey, do you see that truck out in that parking lot? He says, yeah, I did. He said, I want you to know that's my truck. So he goes in, and there's Avery. And Avery says, did you bring me a chocolate milkshake? Did you bring me a chocolate milkshake? And Brian is all rattled from his experience. He's like, what? What are you talking about? He says, no, I didn't bring you a chocolate milkshake. And he starts to go through the list of questions that he has for Avery about his situation. He's facing death. And Avery couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over the milkshake thing. So finally, Brian figures out what's going on and everything else and the mental illness and all. And he says, okay, look, I'm so sorry I didn't bring you a chocolate milkshake. I will try in the future to bring you that chocolate milkshake if I can. So they talked and a trial date was set up. It was out of the area they're in. They're going to have to travel to another area to go to this. So all that's set. It's going to be a three-day long trial. So they go. Of all things, that guard who was such a jerk is the one assigned to Avery to transport Avery down for the three days to the trial. And the guard sits in there the whole time. And in the trial, Brian Stevens' team brings up all kinds of history. They have lots of medical doctors that speak, lots of things that are brought to light. They were never in the original trial. Things were overturned. He gets off death row. He gets, he's going to eventually, eventually go to a mental health facility to help him. So Stevenson wanted to visit him sometime later, about a month before he was going to have to go back to court. He's still in there at this time. He's still on death row. So he goes back to the prison. He's not looking forward to it, right? He pulls up, and there's that beautiful truck again, all these stickers on it, and the guy who treated him so bad. And he walks in, and sure enough, there's the guard to greet him. And he immediately just turns and starts heading to the bathroom. He says, I'll, you know, I'll get ready for the strip search. And the guy says, no, no, that's okay. Sorry, you don't have to. No big deal. He says, what? He says, no, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. He says, okay, well, great. Uh, I'll go sign the book. He says, no, I saw you walking in. I already signed it for you. Like, what's, what's going on here? So the guy starts taking him down the hallway to meet Avery. And as they're walking down the hallway, the guy says, hey, um, I really listened to those three days of trial. I want you to know something. I was in foster care. And I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the one who had it worse than anybody else in the world because it was a terrible experience for me in foster care. And I was angry at everybody. I don't know if you know, if you, you could tell that I was angry at everybody. <laughs> well, I'm like, really, I'm angry at everybody in the world for what? But I want you to know this. I listened to everything you said. And I want to tell you this. I, I am so proud of what you're doing, and I want to applaud you. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know, when we do something to be a blessing in somebody's life, not only is that person blessed, but everybody else who views it around us is moved by it. So they get up to the door, and Avery is in there, and uh, Brian's getting ready to walk in. All of a sudden, the guard grabs him again, just like last time, by the arm, grabs him, pulls him back. He says, hey, I want to tell you something else. On the way back from the trial, I stopped at Wendy's, and I got Avery a chocolate milkshake. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So Brian walks in, and he thought he was going to get the same question from Avery. How about that chocolate milkshake? And Brian says, hey, again, I'm sorry I couldn't get the chocolate milkshake. He says, no, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good with chocolate milkshakes now. It's all over. We're in, we're in good shape. 
You know, making uh, an impact on a child for Christ is a wonderful thing. We have a number of people in this community involved in foster care or adoption, and uh, we're just thrilled about what you're doing to make a difference in this world. I want to introduce you to uh, one of those couples here this morning, and they're going to tell us their story. Would you please help me to welcome Matt and Debbie Davis? They're going to come out and tell us their story. Yeah, and you'll see a picture on, on the screen, they'll, and they'll tell you why it is the way it is in just a minute. So I'm Matt Davis, and this is my wife, Debbie. For those of you, those of you who don't know, we're foster parents with Arlington County. This has become a defining part of who we are as a family, and it's something we're proud to do. However, because of the confidential nature of foster care, we can't talk much about it. We won't tell you the details of a child's background. We can't tell you much context about a hard day. And after spending hours in court, all we can say is, that was overwhelming. Sometimes a social worker calls, and a new child is placed in our home within the hour. We don't have time to throw a baby shower together or tell our friends. We can't post an an announcement to Facebook or any other photos for that matter. Anything we do share publicly, we have to crop their faces out. So just get the ankles. (laughs) We aren't doing this independently because we're too proud to ask for help. We would love help. We're keeping it quiet because we have to. So maybe there are other foster parents here today or families who have adopted other children from hard places. You might know about this quiet world. But maybe you've never really thought about these kids who are being quietly taken from their familiar homes and placed in new houses filled with strangers. These disruptions can have lasting consequences. Current data suggests that the majority of trafficked youth in the U.S. have a history of child welfare involvement. In 2013, 60% of the child sex trafficking victims recovered as part of an FBI nationwide raid from over 70 different cities were kids from foster care or group homes. Traffickers exploit the fact that the youth in foster care may have unmet needs for family and emotional relationships. Beyond the children, there are two sets of families to think about as well. Often when people ask us about foster care, the first thing they want to know is the sordid details of how a child ended up in our care and what the birth family must have done. But those parents aren't anonymous villains to be gossiped about. They're real people who are grieving the temporary or permanent loss of their child. The foster parents as well may be experiencing any range of emotions, from being overwhelmed by a sudden new arrival to apprehensively reuniting a child they've come to love with his or her biological parents. So far, we've been quite discouraging, but there are many things that you can do. First and foremost, you could explore foster care for yourselves. We won't lie to you and tell you that it's easy, but God calls us to do hard things and gives us the strength to do hard things. And while challenging, it can also be incredibly rewarding. We've had a few sweet faces come through our home, and we've had the opportunity to provide love and stability to children who may not have, may not have experienced much of either in their lives. We've also gotten to see our biological children serve as the hands and feet of God, and we're always learning from their examples of forgiveness, patience, love, and grace. If you aren't ready to commit full-time yet, there's other options you can explore, such as respite care. 
This is when you get when you basically do foster care for a couple weeks or even as little as a few hours. Tying those last couple of things together, the other day Arlington schools were closed and I was home with our oldest daughter. I was going to take her to the bounce house. A social worker called while we were in the parking lot and said, we need someone to take two kids for four hours. Can you do it? And I turned to Charlotte and said, well, do you want to go to the bounce house or do you want to do foster care? She said, I want to do foster care. So that afternoon, instead of our usual four kids, we had six. It was a wild afternoon, but everyone had fun. And the great thing is, the rest of the weekend, we only had four kids, and things felt so easy. So not everybody is going to be called or feel called to be a foster parent, but everybody can play some role. You can always support other foster families and foster children. If you learn someone in your network as a foster family, you can deliver a meal, you can drop off groceries, um, you can bring diapers, you can babysit so that the foster parents can go to one of the many, many meetings that we need to attend. We could not do this without the constant support of our friends and neighbors. A few years ago, uh, I joined a small group here at Grace. Matt and I had to spend an entire day in court. And um, instead of focusing that week on our small group curriculum, the group spent the entire hour in prayer over our foster child and our foster family, or in our family, excuse me. The group leader that evening stopped by our house to deliver dinner. They'd even taken up a collection to cover the cost of the babysitter for while we were in court. Some of these people are here today and may not even remember doing this, but it's something that we will never forget. You can also donate to or volunteer with organizations that support foster care or other struggling families. One of our personal favorites is that Arlington County throws a Christmas party every year for all of the children involved in foster care. All the kids go home with gifts that are donated by members of the community. For the foster children, it might be the first time some of them have ever received a real Christmas gift before. And for their foster siblings, it's a recognition of all the sacrifices they've made throughout the year, sharing their toys, their bedrooms, and their parents with their foster siblings. You can also just, you can pray. Not just pray. You can pray. You may or may not know the names or the specific needs to pray for, but there are countless biological parents, foster families, and foster children who need your prayers. A mom at the playground once said to me, wow, this must be so hard. I'll be praying for you and your family. Two days later, huge decisions were made in that child's case. The mom had absolutely no idea what to pray for specifically, but God knew. For anyone who's interested in learning more, we'll be in the lobby after the service, and we're happy to share more of our experiences with you. Awesome. Oh, go, oh sorry. I jumped the gun. Sorry. Okay, one more thing. For anybody whose gut response here is, I could never do this because I'd get too attached. We just want to challenge you to put these kids first. Don't let the fear of you getting hurt stop you from loving this kid who's already being hurt. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't go. Don't go. Come back. Come back. Come back. Ivan Celeste. Come on. Ivan Celeste is going to join us. Uh, just as Matt and, and Debbie just said, they will be in a table in the lobby. If you'd just like to get any information, there's a lot of different ways to be involved. Uh, Debbie went through a quick list there just a moment ago. Hey, you, can, you can pray. Uh, you can provide a meal. You can provide a word of encouragement. Or you could find out about foster uh, care or adoption. The reason I have Ivan Celeste here, everybody say hi to Ivan and Celeste. Yeah. 
Ivan Celeste have adopted. So here are, here are some families that, that you could talk to about this. And what we like to do now is we want to say a prayer for them and for what they're doing and for their ministry. So would you please join me? Uh, Father, we thank you for Matt and Debbie, Ivan and Celeste. We thank you for all the families in this community that are involved in foster care, adoption, or mentoring uh, through CASA or through Little Lights or some other way that we're influencing a child. Maybe it's just through Graceland, but we're influencing a child for you. We're trying to extend the love of Jesus Christ to a child. And Lord, this is so important. I ask that you would strengthen the hands of those who are trying to extend the love of Jesus Christ to children. Father, protect our children. Lord, our children are vulnerable. Debbie just gave that stat, which is startling, scary. Father, protect our vulnerable children. Watch over them. The children of this world, be with them. Bless them. Bring them to loving families who will put them first. We ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 How about a big round of applause for... Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're going to have some baptisms now, and we've got some wonderful stories to share with you about baptism. So, the mic here. I don't know who's uh, Caitlin. Jennifer, you know where Caitlin is? So, ah, okay. Wonderful. Well, let me tell you a joke. Uh, <laughs> hi, Caitlin. Hi. How are you? Everybody say hi to Caitlin. I'll fix this mic for you. You want to take it down? I'm not this tall. Oh, Oh, I broke it. Can you hold it? Yeah, I can hold it. Okay, sorry. I'll try to fix it. Hi, everybody. This isn't nerve-wracking at all. Okay. You're doing great already. (laughs) Yay. Okay, so um, I have a little testimony about my story and why I'm here today. Um, So I'm just going to read the paper because I'm a little nervous at the moment. Um, I didn't grow up going to church. My parents had negative experiences with the church growing up, as John so eloquently puts it, um, the institution of church. And they gave me the choice to go to Sunday school, but as a kid, I very easily said no. (laughs) That didn't stop my parents from encouraging me to believe in something and raising me in an agnostic household, still having that love and spirit and support of wonderful parents. Um, My life was okay. It was... um, It was okay. I had friends. I had family. I had a happy childhood and a fairly healthy life with good education. But my life wasn't great, though. It was missing something. I needed and craved more, but I had no clue what that was. Um, In September, I had a few blows to my life. My um, grandpa was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I was the victim of a crime. Then my grandpa died of pancreatic cancer, all in one month. <laughs> All these events were about like a couple weeks apart. And um, suffice to say, I was a bit of a mess. Thanks to some wonderful people here, they prayed and cried with me. Um, I had PTSD and I was grieving my grandpa all at the same time. Most days were so mentally and emotionally painful, I didn't think it was possible to survive and keep going on with my life. Um, about six, eight months later, though, I'm surviving and I'm doing okay. 
all because Jesus loved me. He held me and comforted me and strengthened me every day. And there were nights that I couldn't sleep, having nightmares and panic attacks, just crying myself to sleep. He was there. The community here at Grace strengthened me and my faith. Looking back, even before September, when I was just trying to figure out what it is that I needed from life, um, I know now that what I needed and craved was Jesus. I needed Jesus because he could help me feel whole. I've always had a hard time loving myself. Every mistake was criticized, and every imperfection I had was just a cause to hate myself. Why did I do this? Why do I do this? Um, how could I or can I keep living with myself, including all of my mistakes and imperfections? But I don't have to be perfect. My life doesn't have to be perfect. Jesus died for me and all of my mistakes and imperfections. Jesus loves me, and that helps me learn to love all of me, too. I'm so thankful for that unbelievable love, faith, and inner peace that God has given me. Because of him, I know I can do anything and face anything that life throws at me. The best part is I don't have to face it alone. God already blessed me with such amazing parents, family, and friends. With his love and their love, I can let go of the worries and insecurities of my life as I try to find my way. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you pray with me. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for Caitlin. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you come into our lives and make us whole, that you express your unconditional, unfathomable love for us. It's so wonderful. I thank you, God, that you held her and walked her through. God, as she's baptized today in accordance with your will, we together as a family here, a spiritual family, Ask your abundant blessings upon her. May you continue to express your incredible love and the plan and the future you have for her. Lord, continue to strike down every thought that's not of you. And God bless her and keep her. Make your face to shine upon her. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Congratulations. This is Emily, everybody. Say. I was never going to make it through it. Okay. Hi, Emily. You're doing great. You're doing great. Okay. Growing up, my parents also didn't go to church much, but sometimes I would go to a church on the street with a friend. And then my mom remarried a pastor. So I was 13 and I was never going back to church. <laughs> and over the next several years, I became an adamant atheist. Um, and about a year ago, <laughs> sorry, my sister wasn't feeling well. 
And I spent a few days with her in the hospital just trying to get a doctor to listen. <laughs> and we got some scans back and things really were looking good. And my sister was dying and there was nothing that I could do. And I have never felt so hopeless. <laughs> so I texted a friend and I asked him to pray for me because a prayer for me would have been so <laughs> just useless, right? I wouldn't have even known what to say. And then um, walking to church a few days later, or sorry, walking to work a few days later, I passed this church, the same church I passed every day of my life for a couple of months at this point. And I never noticed the signs on that church, but that particular day I saw this sign, and it was a sermon title for the week, and it said, everything will be okay. And I took a picture, and I sent it to my mom, and I was like, hey, look, Mom, a literal sign, everything's going to be okay. And I asked her, um... I didn't believe in, in God at that point in time, but I decided I was going to go to church that week because I needed to be in a room with people who actually believed that that sign was true. So I didn't go to that church, but I went to another church with my sister. And um, I got to listen to him say that during that sermon some things that I had said almost word for word to her the night before, just repeating them back to me. And um, then I started going to church regularly. And things really... Um, ended up getting, sorry, thank you. Um, things ended up becoming much better. My sister, um, she's not perfect, but today she is so much better. And it's not as grave as it originally looked. And, um, through her illness, her and I, we hadn't been very close and we've become much closer. And my mom and my stepmom, for the first time in my life, began to get along. Things just, like, fell into place. So I can't pinpoint the, like, moment or the day that I became a believer. But to me, today is that day. Saying to myself and God and all of you, and this is a decision I am making to follow Christ. So a few months ago, um, Pastor John preached through Ecclesiastes. And a verse that's probably not going to sound that special to you all really stood out to me. So it's from chapter 2. And it was, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. So when we read through that, that really stood out to me because that was exactly how I felt. Life was meaningless. Why were we even here? But looking back, I can see how everything was meant to fall into place the exact way that it has. And I look forward to more moments when I'm really unsure what I'm saying, but knowing that God's there for me when I pray. And um, I look forward to continuing to grow with my small group and learning more about um, my understanding of Jesus and how to honor him in my daily life. And I look forward to living a life with Christ as my Savior where I know that I can show his love to others. And then my efforts to follow his will will have eternal significance. So it's with that in mind that I come to be baptized today. Hang right here with me. Okay, we're going to say a prayer for Emily. And before we do, uh, the pastor is going to give a brief sermonette. Okay? Did you hear what Emily just said? She needed to be in a place, even though she did not believe, but with people that believed. This is grace. 
as much as 40% of the people in this room self-classify as non-church, non-believing people. I want to talk directly to you that believe. I want to talk directly to you that believe. You see this statement that we have that we're a church for people who don't go to church. And everybody focuses on that last part for those who don't go to church. And here's what you need to know if you're a church person, if you're a believing person. We need you to be so fired up about the mission of Jesus Christ to create a church. There's two churches in that statement, a church for people who don't go to church, to create the first church so that the second church is possible. Am I making sense? So that Emily's of the world can come in and know that they're welcome here and be around people that believe, but don't put pressure. That love and respect, and along with that time when the Spirit then moves for such a time as this. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you have done. I thank you, God, for your loving, patient hand. I thank you for Emily. I thank you that, God, your hand is on her life. I thank you, Lord, that you are doing great things. I thank you, God, that you have even greater things in store. May your abundant love be poured into her on a daily basis. We're thrilled for her, God. And we love her as a family and stand with her. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Congratulations, Emily. Okay. This is Luis. Say hi, Luis. Hi. Okay, buddy. Well, um, I was born into a very Catholic family. Um, I got baptized when I was when I was I was a baby. Um, I did most of like what Catholic kids do. I did all the sacraments and all that stuff. Um, and at a certain point, when I was like 17, um, I started doubting everything. And ironically, everything started when a Jehovah Witness came. Um, I was like um, washing the car, and then he came, and I went. I, I didn't want to be disrespectful or dismissive. So... Um, he started talking, and then at some point he told me, uh, do you know who God is? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I know him. And he's like, well, do you know his name? And I'm like, well, yeah, they, he has different names. Like some people call him Yahweh, Jesus, um, Jehovah. And he's like, well, how can you know someone if you don't know his name? And then he just left. And I was like, it all started to, like, didn't make sense to me at the time and I, I started doubting everything I stopped going to Catholic Church um, started doubting religion in general um, through those six I, I went I was like six years out of church so through those six years I just kind of drifted away of, out of everything and then through a life a, a period of my life where I was um, I guess I was sad and I wasn't Everything wasn't going my way. Um, 
I, I kind of stumble into this YouTube video of this guy called Jeff, Jefferson Bethke. And he was like, he, he's in the video, like he was talking about God. And then it all started to make sense to me little by little. So I kind of got intrigued by this God that I didn't understand before, but I kind of understanding now. So I started reading about a lot of theologians, books, um, podcasts, and at some point I, I moved here to, to Virginia, and I felt like I needed to find a place. So I found grace, and I guess this is the time that I want to tell in front of everybody that I'm willing to accept Jesus, and that's why I'm baptizing for it. Okay. We'll just put it right here. Don't go in the pool with that phone. That's correct. Lord, we thank you for Luis's journey. We thank you, God, that you brought him to this place. We thank you that you are bringing clarity. We know not everything's clear yet, but God, you are bringing us closer and closer to an understanding. I thank you that Luis is a part of this family here at Grace. And God, all of us together, ask your blessing to be upon him as he follows, Lord, your command to be baptized publicly here today as a follower of Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would be with him and you would guide him and direct every step in his life to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Okay, buddy. Everybody, this is Jeff. Jeff is a fantastic member of our uh, sound team, right? Does a great job. We're going to have a prayer uh, for Jeff, and then Brian's going to baptize. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jeff. We thank you for your hand upon his life. We thank you, God, for what you're revealing to him. Lord, today as he's baptized in accordance with your will, Father, May you continue to guide his journey, level the mountains, fill in the valleys, give the understanding. We thank you, Lord, for all that he does to make a difference in this community, behind the scenes. And God, we together ask that you would bless him in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Right, we have an excited customer right here, everybody. Yay, big guy. Okay, let's get this down here where you can deal with it, okay? Okay, you all ready to go? Mom and Dad, are you ready? Okay. Are you ready, Rylan? This is Rylan. Everybody say hi, Rylan. Hi, Rylan. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Oh, Dad. Dad's all into the sound. He's going to make sure this is done just right. Isn't that, Dad? How does it look? Good? It looks pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rylan Knuckles. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior because I believe that He is the Son of God and died on the cross for my sins. I am being baptized today to celebrate my decision to follow Jesus and because I know it's what he wants me to do. Wow, that's fantastic. You did a great job. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going to pray. Don't, don't go away, Dad. Come on back. We're going to pray. Mom's we're all going to come on back. Come on, big guy. There we go. Oh, yeah, man, you're a big fella, huh? All right, Mom. We're going to pray. Ready? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful life, Ryland. God, what a special young man. We thank you for his word of testimony. Father, bless him, bless his parents, bless the entire Knuckles family. Today, as he follows your will and is baptized, God, may your hand rest upon him in an increasing way day after day after day. Watch over him and protect him. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Good job, buddy. Love you. Okay. He's, he's, holding on. he's holding on tight. He's holding on tight. He's excited. All right. Dad's there. Here he comes. Yeah. Yeah. Ryland, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, hey, Ryland. Way to go, buddy. That's great. All right, can we stand for a closing word of prayer? I want to remind you, as you are, if you want to meet Matt and Debbie Davis in the lobby, please do so. Here's the thing I want to pray about as we conclude, okay? God always has a next step, no matter where you are. Right, you have no belief, you're struggling belief. All right, that's cool. We are thrilled that you're here. We hope that you continue to come. Maybe that's your next step, is you just try to keep coming. Right? Maybe your next step is to get in a community group. Maybe your next step is to start praying every day. I don't know what it is, but God always seems to have that next step for us to do, whatever it might be for you. Could be to go and talk to Matt and Debbie Davis. I just want to ask simply in conclusion that you be open to whatever next step that maybe God might nudge your heart in the next few seconds, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your patience. I thank you, God, for these wonderful stories we've heard today, and we ask your blessing down upon each and every one of them. And Lord, for all of us in this room, help us to have open ears to the nudgings that you would give us. What is that next step? What's that thing that you want us to do next? Help us to hear from you and to follow. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.